Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and every episode we get into what has made our guests vulnerable and how they've learned how to own their awkward in order to live their best life. Stay tuned so you can hear every awkward moment in today's show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and today we have the awesome Robin Bennett. Robin, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. I'm excited to be here. I am so glad to have you here. It's been a couple of years since I've seen you and talked to you in person, so this is just like coming back to life here. It's it's amazing. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit, what, what do you have exciting going on? Tell us a little bit about yourself so listeners get a chance to know who you are. Sure. Um, so I have spent the pandemic working probably harder than ever. Um, and I know that's not the case for everybody, but um, I do a lot of freelance marketing. So I work with mostly independent agencies. I do some work on my own, very limited because mostly what I offer is copywriting. But copywriting doesn't happen in a vacuum without marketing strategy, without design. So typically I work with what I call non-agency agencies, people that have blown up the agency formula and are putting together like a very small group of the best talent to help clients. Well, when the pandemic hit, everybody was like, People we thought at first might go, oh my gosh, we can't do any marketing. This is, mm -hmm. you know, insensitive. But then we were fortunate to have a lot of clients who were extremely essential. Mm -hmm. So a lot of industrial clients that made laboratory equipment wow. that was used to help create the vaccines. So mm -hmm. I think we were busier than ever last year. Wow, Just, yeah. Yeah, working with essential <laughs> industries and helping them pivot because everything changed. And even the way that we approach marketing changed. So mm -hmm. that's, I've been head down doing that and then trying to figure out also kind of how to grow my own thing and and nurture, you know, some of the stuff that I'm doing on the side. So um, that's sort of what I've been doing. That's awesome. And it's, it is, um, it's interesting to hear you mention being busier than ever during the pandemic, because I think a lot of people um, had that mindset and jumped right into staying busy. And some people who weren't busy um, may have been able to help themselves if they were able to find a way to be busier. Because when we get to those places where our life changes, whether it's with our control or not, that's when you kind of have to jump in and create the direction you want it to go. And that can take a lot of hard work. And if, if everything comes to a standstill, it's almost like, okay, well now I need to either be going to school or learning something or, or starting my own thing up or taking the time to just even be busy recreationally. If you know that, sure. that you think you have some security to go back to, so you might not need to be rearranging your entire life forever, but you have this downtime it's like, well, let's, you know, read more than ever, cross-stitch more than ever, whatever it is that your thing is. But um, but there are those segments like where you were, where the industry is changing, it's shifting, it's in greater need than ever in a different way than anybody's ever seen. And now there's this forced, wow, the world seems to be on pause, but I don't feel that at all. Right. 
and and you know and I went through that whole like oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna read all the, I made a list of all these you know <laughs> classic books I haven't mm-hmm. read I'm gonna read and I'm trying to you know slog through war you know war and peace and I'm like oh I'll read, <laughs> read all the Russian greats that I haven't read and I'm like whoa no I'm doing and when I you know when I say I've been busy. I think we can look at that and go, oh my God, she's been in drudgery working. But it was this wonderful gift within the pandemic Mm -hmm. that I feel like previously marketing had been all about like marketing and trying to grow your audience, trying to get more customers. And the shift during the pandemic really became closer to what I like to do as a marketer, which was all about how are you going to serve your customers. Wow. Yeah. So it became much more about like making sure that the, the, the shipments were there on time, making sure that they were onboarded correctly, that everybody knew how to use the equipment. It became this much more of this, this service model mm-hmm. that I think is missing so much in marketing. Most of the time people are just like sales, 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 let's get the sale. Right. And we've had this nice, wonderful pivot to no really serving the customer mm-hmm. and what they need now and helping them. And that feels really good. So yeah, it's like marketing with really strong meaning behind it. Right. Which is how I've always approached marketing. Mm-hmm. So it was a good fit. And, you know, we were well aligned to do that because it's all about, you know, your customer doesn't leave you once they've made a purchase. Right. If anything else, you know, we spend all this time as marketers trying to get more and more people, but mm-hmm. it's like, what are you doing with the people that have already entrusted you? You know, right. how are you developing that relationship, earning that trust and loyalty and respect? And that's the kind of human relationship. Those are the types of even email campaigns and things like that, that mm-hmm. are just more fun to write. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah, not more fun. Mm hmm. It's like, yeah, now that you trust us, now that you're here, now that we have this relationship, what's the next thing we're going to do together? You know, what's the next trip? What's the next ticket we're going to buy? Whatever that is. Right. Nobody thinks about that post-sale messaging, right? That Mm -hmm. post-sale relationship. What does service mean? Because you can sell and sell and sell and you can do great. But then if somebody picks up the phone and talks to your service department, and they're terrible and they have a terrible experience, well, then you've lost that customer or you have the potential to have. So marketing became more of a larger scope of service. And that was really, that was a really happy, I guess, little benefit Mm -hmm. from the pandemic that it was something we always thought was possible. And then it became, it's starting to become the norm and I couldn't be happier about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing when I talk to people about finding meaning in their work and, you know, maybe you're, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you might be selling cars for a living or selling furniture. And if you don't see that as something that's very exciting or you don't find the meaning in it, you sometimes just need to reframe. It's like, you don't have to be building homes in a third world country to be bringing joy into the world. If you're selling furniture, you could be, you could be helping a family, create their home and have it be a welcoming place. If, you know, if you're selling cars, maybe you're helping someone find a car that they can afford to get to their first job or to get back on on their, you know, back on track or keep their kids safe, whatever it is, you have to find that meaning that is beyond the transaction. And I think we are kind of programmed to look for this ideal job, Mm -hmm. this 
ideal position, this, you know, I, I like to think back in my life and I go, my first existential crisis was at about the age of four or five, right? <laughs> well, my uncle's like lifting me up in the air and bouncing around. And he says to me, so what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, yeah. But the dreaded like, question. Oh, dagger in the heart. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Why am I thinking about this now? Why do I have to start thinking about this? What do you mean? And it's funny because I look back at it and I think he probably did ask me, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm-hmm. But I interpreted that question as what do I want to do? Right. Oh, right. And there, there, there is a distinction, mm-hmm. right? So this has been my biggest struggle throughout my career. And I love the fact that this is about your awkward career because that's been my struggle. I kept thinking, Oh, just like there's a perfect mate out there for you. No, there's not. Mm -hmm. There's not a perfect job out there for you. There's probably not a perfect career out there for you, but there is dignity. You can bring, you can bring yourself and dignity to whatever job you do. Right. Right. So I, that's how I finally kind of, got rid of a lot of the pressure of like, Oh my God, I have to be this. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time frustrated. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, Oh, I really want to be a poet. That's what I've always wanted to do. But that doesn't really pay very well. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's always that, that line of the, the practical side where it's like, sure, well, this is right? what I like to do, but I can't sit at home and color all day and turn that into an income. And then all of a sudden you see someone who figured out how to do it. And it's like, way to go, Picasso. But but how do I do that? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. Right. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to either emulate and turn our passions and our avocations into what literally feeds us and keeps mm-hmm. a roof over our head um, versus going you know, and I, I can hear my dad who who has, who has passed away, unfortunately, several years ago, but I can hear him in my head going, there's a difference between a vocation and an avocation. Mm-hmm. And if you can, like I show up every day to write marketing emails and retargeting campaigns and Facebook ads and, you know, white papers about temperature control, whatever it is that I'm writing from a copy perspective, whatever marketing strategies I'm working on, I'm still bringing the poet's perspective to it. Mm, Sure. So I've learned to kind of, you know, be a little more gentle about how I look at it. Yeah. And I think I can be commercial, you know, I can have Mm -hmm. a commercial thing and a passion thing and it's okay. Right. And regardless, the the person who's reading that piece of paper, whether they're in a three-piece suit in a boardroom or, you know, sitting at home on their couch, it's it's a human being with feelings and emotions. And that's who you need to reach out to regardless of the role they're in or the role that you're in when you're writing it. Right. Right. And I started to look at, now this is one thing I did in the pandemic. I started putting together a list of poets who that was not their profession. Wow. They were doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, they, they, a lot of them in advertising, a lot of them okay. in the agency world, but they were well-known poets. I mean, William Carlos Williams was a physician. Oh, wow. So we, you know, this, I mean, it's, it's, it's being able to welcome both sides of that self. There's always a struggle between 
the commercial and the artistic. And I think any of us who are creative and artistic think that, oh, we're not a real artist unless we're all in on this thing. Right. Yeah. Then we struggle to gimmick it to the Mm -hmm. point where it's like, (laughs) it's so gimmicky that that's now I'm depending on my art right. to feed me, shelter me, clothe me. And that becomes a strained relationship with the art. Now I can't say to everybody which way is right for them. Mm-hmm. Right. But I know for me, when I was like, you know what, I actually do like business. I do like helping people. Yeah. You know, I do like not just helping the company, but helping their customers understand this is what's coming next. This is who to turn to being very transparent, building that relationship. I love that. But even when I started going to no longer virtual where you and I met, Mm -hmm. I felt like an outsider because I felt like I'm supposed to go, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm all in on this idea. Right. And I was like, I kind of don't want to leave the (laughs) advertising agency business world, but I do want to develop these other parts of myself, but not to the, I'm, I'm not ready to jump completely out of there. Right. And that's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's, we need to be okay with where we're at and, and not feel like we have to change something. Um, You know, it's like, I think a lot of times we ask questions about people and where they're going in life and, and we might not even be trying to put that on the person, but the person is thinking, Oh, is it, is this not okay here? Like, is this a problem? Should I not be here? And it's like, no, I'm just curious. Is that where, you know, are you fulfilled there? Is that where you're staying? Sure. And you've, you've touched on so many good things. Is that, um, what is, what would you say is your awkward? Is it something that you've already mentioned or is it? It it touches on it, I think. And, you know, Andy, I thought about this a lot. I guess the, the best way I can put it is I am a, it's like, I'm a person who has always refused to go into a box. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm the poet slash marketer slash copywriter slash salesperson slash I I, I live in the slash, you know, (laughs) let's just add more and more and more and more Mm -hmm. to them. I'm very much, I, I think I put a lot of anxiety on myself thinking I was supposed to niche down or niche down. Depending on on, who you're talking to. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to specialize, to be Mm -hmm. an expert in something. And even when you're in marketing, you know, it becomes the like, oh, you're a copywriter. Well, what do you specialize in? Are you specialize in landing pages? Do you specialize in ghostwriting for thought oh, leadership? Yeah. Do you specialize in X, Y, Z? And I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I come from a PR background and a sales perspective. <laughs> and I thought there was a problem with me, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember being at the same No Longer Virtual, I think, where we met. And being in all these sessions and people were like, you know, define your business problem. And I'm like, which oh, business? Yes, I, I remember that question. I'm like, which <laughs> business? My business, the agency who's my mm-hmm. main client that I work with business or their clients' businesses. And then, I mean, it was like, what? Who, what? What? We're all entrepreneurs. <laughs> or this or that. What are you talking about? And then, I remember that question because I was sitting there going, can I raise my hand and say, I just don't know what I'm doing? Oh, <laughs> like, right. Like, right. Like, that's what I want to say. I think I even said it to Amy Blaschko sitting next to me. And I just, I just was like, 
I, I just, I'm here because I don't know what I'm doing and I don't even know where to start. <laughs> right, right. And and, yeah. and and my hand was like, I, I don't know how to focus. Am I supposed to focus on one of these? Mm-hmm. Um, because they all feed each other, right? Right. And so I guess my big awkward was feeling like I needed to niche down, be an expert, having all this pressure going, okay, Robin, figure out what it is. Again, my uncle mm-hmm. tossed me in the air. What is it you want to do? What is it that you want to be when you grow up? That, that question's and living in your head. I had a meltdown. Like I literally had to walk outside at no longer mm. virtual. Wow. And call my client. Because then I had all these coaches going, oh, I can help you figure this out. I can help you determine. So then they all start with their process of like, I can fix you, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can help you zero in on one of these things. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, yeah. I'm having a panic attack because I'm like, I don't want to. If, I think if I wanted to narrow down at any point in my life, I'd have probably done it. I've been mm-hmm. on this planet for five well, decades. Yeah, it's kind of like when you look at, you know, all, all of your beloved things, it's like, I can't let go of any one of those. They all mean too much. Like if I can't, if I give this one away, it's like, Oh no, I can't do that. And well, what if I, Oh no, I can't give I, that one away. I, I can't like, I can't with like Marie Kondo. Like she's like, Oh, like, I, guess I love it. Give it away. I mean, when she said, get rid of your books, I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. You're, I'm not your, I'm not your audience and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But right. I felt that struggle. So, so my awkward is that I refuse to really focus in a way or mm-hmm. even become a specialist or an expert in anything. And I thought that that was something that needed to be repaired in me. I thought there was something that was wrong with me, particularly mm-hmm. in a world where we live um, with expertise and everybody wants to be a thought leader or an expert and where people themselves have become brands mm-hmm. and it's like oh well this is your brand this is my brand this is who I am and I'm like I'm fluid like every day I change who I was a week ago is not <laughs> who I am now hopefully I will continue to evolve but that was my that that's my awkward my awkward is around naming who it is what I am what do I do mm-hmm and keeping that, keeping it open. Right. And I think that I'm a, I have, I have come to peace and I'm mm-hmm. actually delight in the fact that I'm a generalist. I've actually mm-hmm. evolved that now to being a universalist. Okay. I like that. Because I take in, I, 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 I dabble in a lot of things and in doing so, it's helped me creatively because I am exposed to so many different things. Right. And it's like I begin to make associations and connections and I can pivot. And that's the way I've always been. It's like big hard times. People are like, Oh, you know, I I lose my job. I've got another one the next week because (laughs) it's like, Oh, you need somebody in PR. Hello. I can do that. Needs a salesperson. Hello. I can do that. Right. So So there's meaning to it. Do you, do you remember the first time, I mean, you've talked about being in that room where you had to step outside because you're overwhelmed with the feeling of I've got to pick, I got to choose. And I'm not, I'm not good enough if I can't do that. Do you remember the first moment where you felt at peace, where you said, I don't have to choose. 
I'm okay. Yeah, it, it, it was actually related to that moment, Andy. I walked outside because <clears throat> I was panicking and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And Sarah Elkins, who's uh-huh. you know, the godmother of the, right? <laughs> you know, our fairy godmother, she knew something wasn't right. Yeah, she's very good at reading people. Right. So she came over to me. She's like, what's going on? And I was like, you know, I'm spiraling, I'm catastrophizing. <clears throat> She's like, why don't you go and ask your client how they describe you? Mm. Like, what value you bring to them? So I went outside and I called, and I will never forget Donna, who runs the agency that I do 99.9% of my work through, was like, first of all, she's from New Jersey. She's very funny. She's like, are you kidding me? Why are you calling me on this? <laughs> Is this a joke? <laughs> right. Where? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, kind of, like, what kind of, <laughs> kind of place are you at? Why are you asking me what your value is? Why are you seeing these people? Do I not pay you enough? No. She was like, right. "Are you kidding me?" Like, she knows me as being very confident and being. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you? Why are you having this? 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 You know, crisis right now? And I said, "No. What? What value do I bring?" And she said, "You're my utility player." Wow. And I went, what? She goes, you're my <laughs> utility player. She goes, I know when the heat's on, we got to have a win, whatever position I put you in, hmm. you'll, you'll make it happen. And she's like, you're able to wear multiple hats. I'm a small agency. If I can only hire one person, I'm hiring you. I don't mean I get chills still thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I was like, I was, I was going to say I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm like, uh, my, yeah, my skin's like <sighs> creepy. I mean, it was like a whole weight came off of me, like the weight of the world. I'm like, oh, it's okay. And then I remember having follow-up conversations with Sarah Elkins, and she's like, you need to read this book, Range. It's perfectly <laughs> fine to be a generalist. And I'm like, oh, my God. The therapy bills, right? That right. I could have saved <laughs> There's oh my my God. retirement. I right. spend it all in going, what am I gonna be when I grow up? No, that that's such a an amazing uh way that that came about too. I love hearing that journey because the answer is right in front of you and it's from the people that have been paying you and have been hiring you, and yet even with them counting on you that much, we still have it in the back of our head that we might not be good enough or they, we could be second guessing, are they going to keep hiring me or do they get value from me? And yet here's this customer saying, what is wrong with your head? Why are you even asking this question? Don't you know you're, you're my go-to? Right. Right. And we know this intellectually, right? Like we know hired the person for who they are and not necessarily what they can do, but then Mm -hmm. we don't behave like that necessarily. Right. Right. We think, Oh, I've got to be an expert in Google Analytics. I've got to really know SEO. And it's like, no, I just need enough to know if somebody's scamming me on it. You know, I need to know enough to advise people correctly. But it's, it all basically all still comes down to who you are as a person, what you Mm -hmm. want to be when you grow up, right? Right. (laughs) Which is the real question, not what do you want to do when you grow up, but what do you want to be when you grow up? And for me, whether it's the poetry or copywriting or marketing or any of that, mm-hmm. I, I come to it all with what I've now kind of quantified as practical adoration. Mm. So 
it's bringing this level of awe and adoration for what I do, who I'm doing it for, but also making it practical. You can't go way off on the yoga, blah, blah. Right. Still got to <laughs> move a needle a little bit. So in my brain, I just get up every day and I go, okay, time to practice practical adoration. You know, <laughs> I like that. And it does, it keeps you grounded in kind of the metrics of are things moving forward? How are they? <clears throat> I was just having a conversation with someone who was struggling in their business because he had this idea to start this business and he has two co-founders, but they're not nearly invested just from a, right. a passion standpoint. And he's like, how do I get them motivated? How do we get on board? And it was, you know, how do you get up in the morning and have that where, you know, he automatically does things because of the passion and he has the adoration, but not, he's got to bring the other guys aside with seeing the practical side. And it's like, I, but that's I love that that combination. I mean, I'm going to call him after this and say, "You got to listen to this podcast. You got to hear this word because it makes so much sense for what we were just talking about." Yeah, yeah. But, so, so you have your moment. You call your client, and then you're feeling now like, "Oh my gosh, I got the the power of the world. I can just see the glow around you." You know, at NLV when you're walking back into that room now. How did you re-enter the world when you came back to the conference, or when you walked back in, or when you went back? to work afterwards. Did you have a renewed sense of confidence or was it a, I got to get my bearings here? And Yeah, I did. I, I, it was a little strange going right back into the room where I felt like everybody was there to, that was very kind of much more specific about why they were there, what they were working on. They mm -hmm. had a specific business. I had several. I mean, at one point in time, I was, ne was never a shortage of ideas of like, oh, I can make a business out of this. I can make a business out of that. One point in time, I got a call from GoDaddy because I had, mm. they were like, you're one of our prime customers. <laughs> That's not necessarily good. I don't think it's like you own 60 domains. Right. You've done nothing with, right. I'm like, yeah. That's because I'm very universal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a universalist, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm still going to hang on to them. And I keep paying for them. I got rid of a lot of them. But <laughs> I did go in there with, okay, I don't have to figure when I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to be like everybody else in this room, mm -hmm. right? And it was a little weird because I felt like everything was geared towards having that in your head. Like this is your business and this is what you're trying to grow. And this is your passion and what you're trying to do and bring forth and birth into the world. And, you know, I remember people going, well, just put up a, put up a website. That's robinbennett.com. And I'm like, Oh, that's like, you know, <laughs> I know from like, you know, my, my significant other is a chef and he's always like never work or a chef or a catering company that uses their name, oh. the restaurant or the business. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like, cause they're going to have, it's all going to be ego. Right. So <laughs> it's, you know, I always tried to find that little kitschy thing and, you know, it's like, Oh, I'll go in and I'll talk about biodynamic wine. Cause that's what I like. And so I started down mindful wino. I started down all these different tracks and when she said that to me, I went, I'm not unhappy in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I really adore what I'm doing. Yeah. I do want to find a place where I can talk about poetry mm -hmm. 
and where I can talk about dreams, which are the two things like start either of those conversations at a cocktail party. Right. Everybody <laughs> runs in the opposite direction. Nobody wants to hear about the dream you had last night. And nobody wants to talk poetry. They're like, well, oh, no, I don't get run. So the fact that I have two beloved things in my life that I'm passionate about that nobody wants to talk about, that's, I'm like, okay, I can develop on those, those on the side. If I have 10 people that it resonates with in, uh, you know, the rest of my life, mm -hmm. that's fine. It just took the pressure off. Now I go to no longer virtual and I feel like I'm like, you know, Thomas, who, who is there, who's like, I, you know, work in a warehouse. I'm here because I like to write. There's mm -hmm. no specific. And I think it's just freed me. It's just yeah. really freed me to just go. I'm just me. I'm just here to learn. I'm here to meet cool people like you. I'm here for that reason. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really, I didn't know what to expect before I went to the conference and which is really more of a retreat. Um, you know, really, it's an yeah. old, old, it, but it is, um, but I remember leaving thinking, I don't quite know what I got out of it. I felt good about it, but specifically for me, I was like, I, I felt renewed and energized, but you know, a couple of weeks later I was like, wait, what do I need to put into practice that I like, you're trying to get to that practical side, right? Of, okay, what did I get out of this? And, but, um, but the relationships, the connections, the, the encouragement, like you can't even put a number on that because I've gotten so much out of just that first one that I went to from meeting people like you and, and, and learning how you handle one piece or, or another of life or business. It's not even just, you know, the, what's interesting is I used to keep everything very siloed in life. It's like, these are my business counterparts. These are my, these are my family friends. These are friends from, you know, school, whatever. <clears throat> and, and I, I felt like keeping business, I think the professional thing to do was to not blur the lines between, you know, friendship and work and, and, um, and as I've, you know, changed things in life the last few years, that really wasn't feasible anymore. And I realized that I don't know what to call anybody anymore because I feel like everybody's kind of a friend, kind of a, you know, I have people that are colleagues or counterparts or, you know, friends are also mentors and mentors are also coaches and coaches are also family. It's, it's like everybody's got all a little bit of a different role in my life, but that's kind of how that, that NLV feeling is just like, oh my yeah. gosh, we're just all here helping each other get to the next level. And I don't know. I just needed to go on that rampage. Uh, no, I love it. <laughs> but, so true. It's like, what do we call our connections? You know? Yeah. They really are. They're more than just a connection, but they may play multiple roles in our life. They may be, you know, mm -hmm. I don't like to call them supporters because they, you know, that's not their role. Yeah. It's not like, me. Exactly. And and I, I hate to say, oh, it's someone I know through LinkedIn or it's a LinkedIn connection because like, no, that's an NLV. That's like, that's next level. Like that's completely different. We're not yeah. just talking about, you know, someone that I, you know, know through online and have never met, but we may have chatted a lot. Right. Like this is like people that I feel are, are vested in how I'm going to do as a person, regardless right. of if it's, you know, my business succeeds. It's um, so it's a beautiful thing is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, and it's true. And it's like, I see a request from somebody from No Longer Virtual and it moves to the top of the list, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. don't do these podcasts. Like like I said, I'm typically uh -huh. 
you know, backstage helping uh-huh. everybody else and, you know, working on everyone else's business. So the self-promotion part to me has always been like awkward, but, um, you know, I've done a couple now and I'm like, no, those are, those are my, that's my no longer virtual family. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I'm so glad that you're willing to break the the norm for yeah. us because it's, I love it's- it and I always enjoy it. It's an honor to have you on here, and I've I've tried to sprinkle in so that every podcast isn't like an NLV reunion. But I oh I know, but like, we can't help but talk about it, Ken. I know exactly. So I'm like, okay, like, we're in on the secret. You're well, not. <laughs> you're yeah, right. It's like, hey, you're welcome. Sign up. It's I, I don't know. Are you going to make it to this year's? I'm excited about it. I don't know. It. I know I just, this year's a little I, bit I hard don't to know. plan. Um, yeah. I really don't know, and that's a shame because um, I went last year in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But it was like, ah, everybody was canceling in the pandemic and it was so super special. Mm-hmm. Um, but just timing wise this year, I just, I, I don't know if I'm um, um, going to be able to swing it, which yeah. is heartbreaking. But then I'm like, I'll be there at the next one. Hopefully yeah, exactly. Fun. That's yeah. I, I, I have it on my, I like this year I'll be there. Uh, last year, my son was graduating the same day. So I was oh, like, right. I was like, I was like, Sarah, if it was anything but a family, like, this is the one thing I can't not do. But it was just one of those, was like, oh, this is this is really sad not to go. And that was before we even knew that it wasn't going to be what it was. But, um, or as, I mean, it had that into, it sounded like it was beautiful with it being kind of we're all in this space at this time. But, right. I'm not going to say no, because you know me. I'm like, right. You never know what could come together, right? Yeah. Well, put me in a don't gonna, make commit, no. Andy. <laughs> I won't. I, I should have I should have paid attention from the beginning no, to kidding. remember. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I have such a hard time making up my mind. Right. I mean, that's it's just some scheduling stuff. Sure. I, yeah. So yeah. what what advice would you give people on how they could own their awkward? You know, I think it this this may sound weird, but look at what tortures you. Mm. You know, really investigate what tortures you. Um, I wasn't kidding when I said I spent a lot of money on therapy trying to figure out what I wanted to do. My mm-hmm. career was always like, it felt like I wasn't succeeding. I wasn't being all I could be. I wasn't doing all of that. And I had a lot of torture around it. I created a lot of awkwardness. I felt like a, a failure. And I didn't realize how much of a weight it was. Mm-hmm. But then maybe spin it. I mean, I loved that advice. Like, go ask somebody what your value is. Yeah. That knows you. Maybe not a close personal friend or your mom, because your mom's going <laughs> to. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're the best You've always been the best. You're so creative right. and yeah. smart. And, yeah. But somebody who's worked with you or seen you that you trust, mm-hmm. that can be like, I, I guess my advice would be like, look at what's bothering you and torturing you and see if you can get some perspective on it from someone you trust. Yeah, I love that idea because, you know, you talk about carrying that weight and not realizing it. And I I feel like every time I've let go of a burden, I didn't realize how much it was weighing me down until afterwards. Because I think we we add a a rock at a time to that backpack. So it just gets a little bit heavier and heavier all the way up the hill. And all of a sudden, you know, you take it off and you're like, whoa. I can stand, right. you know, like I can support fly, myself. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, like, I didn't know yeah. I had these powers. Right? Where did that come right. from? Right. So, so that's beautiful. That's true. Yeah. And and this idea of 
that thing that's torturing you that doesn't have to, if you can just get some perspective. Right. It's probably a story you're telling yourself, you mm -hmm. know, probably some yeah. programming you have. My programming was that I, there was, there was this perfect job out there for me. There was this perfect career. There was this perfect thing. And little did I know, you know, I could, I could be, I don't know that I'd be a great janitor, but if I were, or, you know, I've held lots of jobs, tearing tickets at a theater, doing box office stuff, you know, mm -hmm. that there's a dignity and a joy that I've had in every job I've had. Yeah. None of them have been perfect. Right. But yeah. I've learned, I've blossomed, I've done something. And so that when you can go, let me let go of there being this perfect thing or this one mission and purpose that I was put on this planet to do. I'm like, I feel like the self-help yoga world has like poisoned us and programmed us mm -hmm. on a really bad level that it's like, there's this thing, this yeah. mission, this one thing you were supposed to do. And I think it's really just being comfortable with who we are and being ourselves in it and bringing mm -hmm. that thing, whatever it is for me, you know, it's that practical adoration. You know, so that's what it boiled down to for me. That's beautiful. Well, everyone, take that advice. Get find out where you're being tortured and let that <laughs> burden go by just asking somebody that you trust. You know, like you said, not your mom, <clears throat> not right. not I that just, person that's not going to be honest with you, but but not critical. You know that you know you can trust. Yeah. So, well. Robin, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time, breaking your your uh, your behind the scenes vow to come out and hang out with everybody. Yeah. And we just can't wait to see more of your your poetry. Um, where's the best place for people to find you and support you? Um, you know, probably I'm on I'm on Instagram on Verse and Vibe. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's probably where most of my stuff will launch. Um, you can find me under Robin Bennett on LinkedIn as well. I don't do a lot on Facebook because it's just, I keep that for like family. Sure. That's how I know that like my cousin just had her baby or whatever. Right. Um, but those are, those are key. I'm, I'm trying to work on a website, whether it's for verse and vibe or whether it's something more like practical adoration or something that is about that philosophy. I haven't quite figured out those details yet, but I am looking for that. But I would say probably Instagram's the best way to, Perfect. And, and the link is in the comments below. So it makes it easy to click, follow and support. Perfect. And of course, put all those little hearts on all of her posts and give her some love. So that's right. And you can join <laughs> us at No Longer Virtual. Yes, it's coming up in June this year. I know. Hopefully I'll be there in June, but I don't know for sure. But once you get it, once you get on, you're, you're hooked. So if you don't see Robin this year, you'll see her next year. Exactly. <clears throat> all right well thank you so much robin thank you andy it was fun yes it's been a pleasure and everyone else of course as always don't forget to enjoy your week and own your awkward thank you so much for listening in for today's show be sure to visit awkwardcareer.com to continue your journey and of course please like subscribe and share with your friends so they can find their awkward side and learn how to own it